Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. So today's episode is all about are you setting the bar too low? And the answer, if you're listening to this, is probably yes. And I'm going to be talking about which areas of your life and what it looks like and what you can do about it instead. Firstly, you've got to identify, am I setting the bar too low? And I'm going to tell you what's wrong with setting the bar too low because pretty much everything. But this is going to be career-wise, personal, you know, what, what you expect from yourself and then, of course, massively from relationships, whether it's romantic or from friendships or from your family, it doesn't matter. So that's pretty much what today's episode is going to be all about. Um, life update. I'm trying to think of a life update. Not, not much. Oh, I ran the half marathon. I fucking did it. I did the half marathon. It was so intense. It was so amazing. I got it done in two hours and 58 seconds. And I think the last time it was like two hours and five minutes or something. So that's an improvement. And I wasn't even trying to improve. I just wanted to run the whole thing. So that was great. My legs felt like lead balloons for about four days after. So good times, good times. Um, Didn't, haven't done anything all week. I was just recovering and, and basking in my glory of being a half marathon runner. But anyway, let's get into the, ep- well, no, I want to do a brain fact first. This is short and sweet, very interesting. And then we're going to get into the topic of today. So this brain fact, I want to talk about a condition or one aspect of a condition. So there's this condition, please forgive me if you know how to pronounce this because I absolutely don't. And I even tried finding YouTube ways of pronouncing it, but I've every time I've heard this referred. I mean, we did discuss it in uni, but I can't remember how it was pronounced, but it's all in writing. But anyway, the condition is called Urbach-Weith disease, right? So there's, it's a very, very rare disorder. And there's all these different um, symptoms that you get when you have this disorder. But one of the things that happens is the calcification of certain regions of the brain in the limbic system, in particular the amygdala. So for certain people, as it is, it's a rare enough disease, but for certain people that have this disease, they get calcification in the amygdala. Okay, And the amygdala, as, as I've spoken before, this is your fear center, basically, in, a, in, in, a very, in very rough terms. This is where you have the fight or flight or fright in your brain, it's what when you have you know trauma or something like that, you're getting a lot of activity through the amygdala, sending this like fear signal. So yeah, so that's pretty much you're getting calcification here. So what happens when you get calcification of that part of the brain? It kind of shrinks and it doesn't really function properly, if at all. So this part of the brain, which is your threat detection part of the brain, basically just stops working prop- properly and it can't trigger a fear response anymore. So the person that's ex- that has this disease doesn't experience or doesn't feel the physiological symptoms of fear. So they don't feel scared and therefore they don't react accordingly to a stimulus that they normally should be scared about. So they don't get that wave of emotions that are linked to a stimulus. So even if it's a horror film, uh, even if it's you know, a scary animal, a spider, a snake right up in your face. They don't flinch. They're not reacting. They're not scared. They're not thinking, oh, this is like a full-on visceral reaction that I need to have get the fuck away. They don't have that. So it doesn't freak them out. So there's this really famous case study in neuroscience of this woman called SM. Her name is, they don't release the names with a lot of these case studies for their safety, obviously. I believe she's still alive. But SM, she was a really famous case study. She was completely fearless to external stimulus. And researchers took her on all these different um, experiments and tests to see what would 
make her feel fear. And they found that it was pretty much anything external would not elicit a fear response. So the, they took her to visit snakes and spiders and she had no fear. She was even holding these creatures like right up to her face and was like, ah, even though she claimed to be scared of snakes and spiders. She was like, oh yeah, I'm scared of them. But she probably thought, well, that's the, the normal reaction to have. But then when you put her in front of these snakes and spiders, she was fine. They took her into a haunted house with a bunch of other participants and everyone was freaking out and screaming and she was just very calmly cruising through this haunted house. People would be jumping out at her. She wouldn't even flinch. She has emotion though, like she can be happy, she can be excited. Emotions that occur in other areas of the brain, she still experiences, right? But fear is not one of them. And what I found most interesting is that she was once mugged at knife point, this poor woman. She was walking down some dark back streets on her way home at night and she was mugged at, at, at knife point, okay? After all of that happened, she just wasn't afraid of it. Well, at the time she wasn't afraid, which is outrageous to even think about. But then afterwards, after the fact, she still continued to take that same route home late at night in the dark through that back street when she had experienced a really a traumatic event in that exact same location where she was mugged. She had no emotional aversion to that location. She had no fear to that location, whereas anybody else who's been mugged at knife point would avoid that at all costs. And you'd probably just avoid walking alone in the dark at all if you'd experienced something like that. I mean, a lot of people don't even do it because of, of the potential of that happening right but this woman didn't experience any of that so very fucking interesting if you're interested in that go check out sm um, and write fearless woman and it will come up okay now let's get into the topic of today so are you setting the bar too low it's really important to know if you are setting the bar too low because you cut you, you you literally sell yourself short if you set the bar too low. If you set the bar too low for people in your life, for your partner, then they're doing the bare minimum and you're having to then fill the gap of what else needs to be done in the relationship because you've set the bar so low, you're impressed by the absolute bare minimum and you think it's great. That then you don't expect more from these people, from these relationships, from your career, from your job, your employer and worse, from yourself, okay? So really identify where the bar is set too low and have some, just have some awareness around these things in your life, okay? Another thing that I did want to talk about is that a lot of us only have a minimum standard, and I think it's important to have a minimum standard, but you should have a minimum standard and then you should have a, an ideal standard. You should have kind of this threshold that's, that sits between these two things. There's the bare minimum of what you're going to put up with and if it dips below that, you know that you tap out. And then there's the ideal standard that's what you're always striving towards. It's not something that you have to hit this ideal standard all the time, but it is kind of like a benchmark for you to strive towards. Now, let's talk about this minimum standard. A lot of us only have the minimum standard, but a lot of us don't even have that. And that's a huge problem, okay? Or they don't even know what their minimum standard would be. And when you don't have that, you allow yourself to be treated like shit. And it's you're, you're probably the kind of person that says, oh, well, next time they'll change. Or next time it'll be different. Or I'll give them another chance. Or, 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 okay? So, what you're going to figure out today is what is my minimum standard and then what is my ideal standard. And then you're going to understand if you're setting the bar too low for yourself or not, okay? So I am going to get you to ask yourself some questions by the end of this episode, but start, be, start asking yourself these now and then you can write them down later at the end of the episode. But these are a few categories that you want to be thinking about. For example, what is the minimum standard of how you'll be treated? 
Okay, what are you willing to put up with? And if it dips below that, you absolutely are not putting up with that. And you've got to make that clear because if the line isn't clear, then you will put up with worse and worse and worse. I've done it before. We've all been there and we've seen ourselves after six months being with someone that's not right for us, accepting shit that maybe six months earlier we wouldn't have because people start digging away, digging away, digging away. If you've got this threshold that cannot be crossed, then that won't happen. You'll tap out a lot earlier. Another one is what stress levels are you willing to put up with? You've really got to make that line clear. You've got to say, if it gets to a point where I'm not spending time with the people that I want to spend with every week, then something needs to change. My role needs to change. I need to have a talk with someone at at work or something's got to change. You know, it's so easy to think, oh, well, it's just this week. It's just this week. And then before you know it, I was having a talk to one of my closest friends. She was like, oh, it's just a really stressful week. And I was like, babe, You've had this quote-unquote really stressful week for about six months in a row and you've probably cried about work every single week for those six months. And she's like, no, no, it can't be. And I said, yes, I hear it. I'm aware. For sure, it's been for the last six months. And she's like, wow, really? Do you think? And that's what happens. The problem is when you're so wrapped up in what you're doing, it's easy to forget the details of your own pain in the moment. And when someone shines a light and says, Just for the record, you've been putting up with this shit for six months, for one year, for two years. Are you going to do something about it? Because you obviously haven't done something yet. Are you going to or are you going to continue living this same shit day in, day out? Okay, so stress levels is a big one. How you're willing to be treated and also how you're willing to feel about something as well. There should be a minimum threshold. What is the minimum standard that you're willing to feel? If you notice that you're feeling shit every single day, but you haven't said, said to yourself, I refuse to get to a point where every single day I'm miserable, every single day I'm crying without trying to do something about it, okay? Then you're going to get to a point where you're kind of just, just treading water with just your head above the surface. So always ask yourself, what will it take for me to stay and what will it take for me to leave in this circumstance, in this relationship, in this kind of lifestyle? What will it take for me to tap out? And that is the minimum standard, okay? Get clear on that because if you say, if I'm working in this job and every single day I'm leaving work feeling so flustered and stressed that I can't even enjoy myself that afternoon and I'm dreading the next day, if that feeling lasts for longer than X, you put a time frame, then that's just past the minimum threshold and I need to do something about it. I need to tap the fuck out. If you don't set a limit, it's going to keep happening. Now let's talk about setting the bar too low. What happens if you set the bar too low? You're not going to change. You're not going to grow. You're not going to choose to look at things differently. You're not going to ask yourself the hard questions. You're not going to ask for more from other people or from from life and you're not going to experience more. So let's talk about career. Let's break it down into career, relationships and self. So career. Right now, I want you to ask yourself, what expectations do I have of myself in my career slash job, whatever it is? Personally, a job, not so much if it's something that you're just doing just to get money and you're not expecting to grow in that because it's not a long-term thing. More so career or where you want to be headed as far as your career in your life. So you ask yourself, what expectations do I have of myself? And what are the narratives around those expectations? And then you're going to get a good understanding of where you have set the bar. For example, if you're somebody that has signed up to do a really what you would deem to be difficult course, let's say as an example, a degree, you have an expectation 
that you have a good chance of completing that degree. You're not saying to yourself it's going to be easy. You're not saying, oh, it's fucking, it's a breeze, it's whatever, I'm going to love it. But you're saying I'm signing up for this because I have, I've set the bar here and I think I'm capable of doing it. If you've, you're someone that has, has set up an interview for a job that you think is, you know, daunting but you want – then you've set the bar to a certain standard. You've said, well, I'm, I'm rocking up to this interview. I'm giving it a red hot go. I'm showing my face. I'm dedicating the time. I obviously think that it is in the realm of possibilities for me to do this. Whereas on the flip side, you could think, oh God, I'd love to do, I'd love to do that. But no, 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 I won't. What, look at the difference between the two people. Neither of you have started the degree Neither if you have yet gone to the interview, so you don't know if you're going to love it or not. But one person saying, I'm going to give it a fucking, if this is realistic for me, so I'm just going to register and try out or I'm going to sign up for this interview. Whereas the other person's like, me doing that? No, no. Neither if you know if it's going to be good. You might, the person that has signed up for it might start and be like, this is shit. I hate it and leave. And that's fine. But they set the bar high and the bar for them is I'm capable of doing it so I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to try it and see if I love it. You don't have to achieve everything but the beauty of setting the bar high is that you can understand where your real ceiling is every once in a while. Where is your limit in that arena every once in a while? That's important. It's sometimes good to know what your limit is because you're like, okay, this is my absolute limit and I'm stretching myself way too thin. I'm not even enjoying my life. But what about a step below that? Am I happy being here and am I doing a lot? You're probably going to end up doing way more than if you set the bar really low and then just go a little bit above your low expectations of yourself. Know what you are expecting from yourself and then ask yourself, are my achievements equivalent to what I expect from myself? And most of the time, the answer is going to be yes. If you expect a lot from yourself career-wise, then you're always going to be striving and trying and achieving. You might not hit every single goal, but you're going to hit way more goals than if you're expecting less from yourself. So look at, see if there's a bit of a correlation. If you've always expected not much from yourself because you compare yourself to people because you have imposter syndrome, then you're only achieving what you set out to achieve, which for a lot of people is they're they're setting the bar lower than what their capabilities are. Now let's move on to relationships. Relationships is, is a really big one for setting the bar low. You can either set that this can happen in the dating scene with what you applaud someone for doing. And it can also happen in a relationship where you're living with your partner or you have children or whatever. And the bar is just set so low for your partner that when they do the absolute bare minimum, you're congratulating them or you're congratulating them for something that is innately their job. And it's fine to be appreciative of your partner. But when you make it out to be that they've done you a favor, when they've actually done something that is their job then they feel entitled to not do it as often or that they're doing you a favor and they feel like they're the one who is now one up. They've done this for you instead of thinking, wait a minute, I've got my responsibilities and I have to see to these responsibilities. There's a huge difference, okay? For example, I was going through, again, TikTok, YouTube, a whole bunch of these things and there was this thing that was like, it was one of those like um, threads or whatever where people talk about where the bar has been set too low and there was a really there was a big one about mothers and they were saying that for a lot of these mothers they were saying that 
the father would get applauded. One of the, this one in particular, this woman had just gone through this really traumatic labor. She had it was just awful. Then she had an emergency cesarean. It was just so so intense. Everything had happened to her. She pretty much had to be in a wheelchair for a couple of days because of what her body had gone through. You know, trying to breastfeed this child it was like full on. And then the father at one point was changing the baby's nappy at the hospital and the doctor walks in and says oh my god what a hands-on father what a man what a man and no one made a comment about her the fact that she literally just her body had been absolutely destroyed giving birth to this baby no one had said anything about her hands-on whatever no 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 no. the father got the applause and that's what she was saying this is where the bar has been set really low is that a man will be absolutely congratulated for changing a nappy but then people be like, oh, well, it's expected that the mum's going to give birth. Well, fair enough. It's expected that the mum's going to give birth because that's what a mother does. But it also should be expected that a father changes a fucking nappy, at least. Another one is this statement of what a hands-on dad. Do you ever hear someone say what a hands-on mum? Never. That's setting the bar fucking low for fathers. You're saying, oh, we're expecting you to not be hands-on even though it's your fucking child. So when you are, when you're actually a dad fulfilling your father duties, you are a hands-on dad instead of you just being a dad that's actually doing their job, which is great, good on you. But why are we applauding you and not the mother for being hands-on? Another one is when a dad will refer to looking after his children as babysitting. Who are you babysitting for? You know, so this is a big one when it's like where the bar has been set so low and when Mother, wives' expectations or society's expectations of the husbands are so low or where the husbands' expectations of themselves are so low in the parenting realm that when they do the absolute minimum, they get applauded. Now let's look at other things around the house, not just parenting. Let's look at if let, – let's just pretend that you are both bringing in – income to the household. Obviously, if one person is bringing in the the financial income and the other person is the homemaker, that's different. One person is doing more chores, they're keeping the home a home, and the other person is bringing in the money, fine. You're not expecting each other to do each other's job. But let's say that you're both income earners, both bringing money in, both working. And then you come home and one person is taking care of more of the house jobs. They're always doing all the house tasks and they've just taken on that responsibility, not necessarily because they like it, but probably because they don't think the other person's going to do it. And then when the other person does like a load of washing or they do laundry for that day, they're like fishing for compliments. I did the laundry for you. I did the laundry for you. That is a situation where the bar has been set very low as far as house tasks for one of the people in the household and that needs to be rectified. And if if you are in a situation like that, you need to pull them up and say, you didn't do the laundry for me, you did it for the household which you live in. Now, there are certain people in your life that are going to engage in this thing called performed incompetence and I could do an entire podcast on performed incompetence but it's where they pretend And this could be a parent that does this to you. A lot of parents do this to their adult children, a lot. But often it's it's a – partners can do it too. Children do it all the fucking time. But it's this idea where they pretend they can't do something so you end up doing it for them, okay? It's this idea of – you know, oh, I just, I tried to do it and it's really hard. And, I, and then every time you do it, you're calling your child or your pal, whoever the other person is, they're calling you, I can't do it. And then you end up being like, fuck it, I'll just do it for you. I'll just do it for you. If it's your parents who are getting older, you end up coming over and doing this task for them. You end up having to make all these phone calls for them because they're saying, oh my God, I can't do it. 
they can fucking do it. They can do it. Or it's this idea, again, I saw on TikTok where people think it's funny, these women that are sending their husbands to the supermarket with a chart of cut out photographs of the products that they need to buy because they're going to go and buy the wrong product. What? That is so ridiculous. Are you sending a two-year-old to the supermarket or is your partner going grocery shopping for the couple, for the household? One is I am sending you, you are doing this for me and the other one is one of us is doing groceries, who's it going to be today? That's how it is, okay? If your partner has absolutely zero understanding of what washing powder looks like and what kind of butter that you use every single day looks like, there's an issue. There's a fucking issue, okay? That means that that person has no idea of the everyday in and out household tasks within the house if they don't even know what products they need to be buying. So basically what I'm saying is that they do know, but they pretend that they don't and it ends up being so annoying for you that you end up doing it yourself. Now let's say that you, you're you dealing with a child, okay? With children, there have to be incentives, okay? Kids work on that model. That, well, actually, everyone actually works on it. It just gets a little bit, not too much more, a little bit more complicated when you're an adult, but everyone works on the model of incentives. So if, you're a ch- if you have a child, if you're a parent and you have a child and you say, well, I try and get my ch- children to do this, but they always do it wrong, they do it poorly, they can't wash the dishes, they're always disgustingly greasy, so I end up doing it myself. Your child, and we're talk- I'm not talking about child labour here, I'm talking about a kid that's old enough to know what they're fucking doing, they can clean a dish, okay? All you have to do is do what my mum did and she would ask if I'd say, hey, can I go out with my friends? I don't know, did you clean the kitchen? Yes, I did. Properly? And that would be my answer. I know how to fucking clean a plate, but if I had rushed it and done a shit job and expected the whole household to eat off greasy plates, then I don't get to go with my friends. It's that simple. Incentives, incentives, incentives. If I had cleaned the dishes properly, if I had done my job, if I contributed to the household, then I can go out with my friends. It's so simple. It's fucking simple. And you use that with your children. You give them the resources. You teach them how to do something. You say to them, if you don't know how to do it, reach out to me again. I can teach you as many times as you need, but this is your job. And if you don't complete this job, you don't get X, Y, Z freedoms. Simple. I can tell you right now, I, before the age of 10, was brilliant at scrubbing bathrooms, cleaning kitchens, and no one can fold a fitted sheet like myself and my sister because we both understood the incentives, what we needed to do to get what we wanted. You do this, you get that. You don't do this, you don't get that. Simple math. Now let's talk about conflict in a relationship, okay? If you have conflict with someone in your life, and especially if this is happening, if this is a bit of a pattern, whether it's something that you're always arguing about or whether it's someone that you're kind of on and off dating and it's just not clicking, it could be a best friend, a parent. If you have conflict and that person doesn't want to resolve it because they don't like the uncomfortable conversations that need to be had in order to resolve it, but they just want to make up and be be friends again or be good again, then you have to let them know where the bar is. What is the minimum standard for this relationship to continue? Or what is the minimum standard for this relationship to thrive? And you can say, I love you, but in order for us to continue going as we were and for things to be great again, we at the very least need to open our communication a bit more. I refuse to have this really disrespectful thing go down and then act like nothing happened. I'm not angry. But the bare minimum for me is to unpack what happened, even if we don't agree. And if you're not willing to do that, then the relationship that we had and what we used to have cannot continue. 
If you set your expectations so low for what a friend can give you or what people in a relationship can give you, then you're going to put up with with not having your feelings respected. You're going to have to put up with never being heard, never being understood, never trying to understand where they're coming from and always it's it's always on their terms. A relationship should never be on one person's terms. But if you set the bar low for the expectations that you have of that person, then that's what's going to happen. Now let's move on to the last one and probably my favorite one and that is personal. Are you setting the bar too low personally for yourself? The main thing that I'm going to focus on when I talk about setting the bar too low for yourself is when you have this concept about who you are as a person and your personality traits that, more most importantly, don't serve you, that are not going to change. This idea of, well, that's just me, I'm not going to change, or I can't change, that's me, take it or leave it. If you have that mentality about yourself, about features or traits of your personality that are not serving you, then you are setting the bar very low for yourself and for the kind of people that you're going to allow and keep in your life, the kind of relationships that you're going to allow to enter your life and the kind of relationships, the caliber of relationships that are going to exist in your life. If you're someone that's always, you know, going on these toxic traits and not doing anything to change who you are because of things that have happened in your past, but you expect other people to put up with it, then you're setting the bar too low. The thing that I, that really grinds my gears the most is that saying of if you can't handle me at my worst, then you can't have me at my best. I don't agree with that saying at all. Why should the people who care about you the most have to put up with you at your worst? What the fuck? And your worst is not you having low moments. That's not you at your worst. That's you going through a hard time. But if you're someone that when you're hurt, you treat other people around you, other people who are supporting you, when you treat them horribly, then that is you at your worst. And that's not fair. So many people think, oh, well, I'm having a bad time. I can be horrible. I can treat people like shit because I'm suffering. So everyone around me has to suffer and I'm going to bring them all down. And they're my punching bag because they're close to me so I can get away with it. They're my emotional punching bag. That's just who I am. I'm not going to change. That's just who I am. That is not just who you are. And you can change. The reason you haven't changed is because you haven't so far in your life been pushed to do so. I can guarantee you if everyone walked away from you, you would change. No one wants to be isolated. No one wants every relationship that matters to them to break down. But the people around you, if you are one of these people, the people around you have just been patient and have put up with it. But for how long and at what cost? So if you're somebody that's always saying, you know, that's just who I am, too bad, then you, I think you should rethink that. I think you should really rethink that. And then look at the relationships in your life. What, is, what, are, the, what are the qualities of those relationships? What is the caliber of the kind of people that you are attracting into your life and the kind of people that are staying in your life based on your personal, personality traits and how you are treating these people? Now, I'm not saying that you've got to change everything about you so you've got to be a perfect person. If a behavior serves you, even if someone else doesn't like it, that's fine. I'm not saying live your life to please everyone around you. Absolutely not. If the behavior serves you, keep it. If it's something about you that you love, keep it. I'm talking about behaviors that are destructive, self-destructive and destructive to a relationship that you yourself 
might not enjoy, but you just associate hev- so heavily to and it's part of your identity. It's not serving you. It's not doing you any favours, but you continue to do it because it's hard to break that tie or because you're addicted to the cycles. Like, for example, if you're someone that absolutely wants to sleep in every single day, no matter what everyone says about waking up early, it's fine to say, that's just who I am. I'm not going to change. That's not a problem. It's not affecting anyone. You want to sleep in every day of your life. Good, do it. If it makes you happy, fantastic. That behavior is serving you. But I'm more talking about behaviors that impact, directly impact other people. Like, oh, every time I get angry, I literally verbally abuse my partner. Oh, that's just me though. No, cunt. No, that doesn't fly. Raise the bar for yourself. You've set the bar too low. You've said, even though these traits are destructive, even though it's potentially hurting not only myself, but my relationships and the people that I care the most about, I'm not going to change because I just don't think I have it in me. Bullshit. You are capable of doing what you put your mind to. And if you're not willing to change these things, then you can't expect people to hang around and put up with it. And what a lot of people will do is it's this self-fulfilling prophecy. A lot of people won't change these behaviours. They'll start dating someone or they'll have a new friend and they'll say, watch this person get sick of me and leave. Watch, just wait, wait, just watch them get sick of me and leave. Everybody leaves me. Everybody leaves me. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Then you treat them like shit, you push them away, you push them away with these destructive behaviours and then they leave you. And then you're like, I knew they were going to leave me. Everyone leaves me. Everyone abandons me. And you put the spotlight on the final action, which was them leaving you. So you make it out to be that the negative thing that occurred was them leaving you. When in reality, the negative thing that occurred was the fact that you didn't want to address these behaviors. And then the cycle continues to repeat itself and then you take solace in the fact that, you know, you're this poor victim that, that is always dumped by everyone and that becomes part of your identity, weirdly enough. Be careful with how you treat those people around you and the excuses that you make for it because even the best people will not hang around forever. Once someone with self-respect has had enough, there's no turning back. You cannot change their mind once they have seen enough. Now another form of setting the bar too low is when people talk about their physical or mental but let's talk about physical abilities okay this idea of oh no I'm getting too old for that or oh my knees are starting to really hurt that's my old age or oh like I'm, I'm just I'm noticing that I'm just getting getting less and less active but that's that's just my old age kicking in so they'll they'll look at something that's occurring in their life something that's not going well and they'll attribute it instantly to old age instead of attributing it to probably a lack of behaviors or or behaviors that aren't working for them so then but because they are maybe getting a little bit older we all are they think oh well, it's that and because it's that i'm not going to try and change it because aging's just going to i'm just going to keep aging i can't reverse it so i might as well not even try and do anything about it that's just me i'm just resigning myself to that people do that all the time And so then because of that mentality that you have, because you've set the bar so low that this can't change because I'm aging, then you don't try and change. So you get stuck in your ways even more and nothing changes. You even see it in generations, like this generational gap where there's people that, there's some people that are in older generations that are like, no, I'm really going to try and keep up with technology. It's not going to be at the rate of someone who's, you know, 14 years old, but I'm going to do my best. Then there's the other population that's like, these young people and the technology, in my day this, in my day that. What is your day? Your day can be today if you want. It's your attitude towards it. It's when you thought you were in your prime, okay? So if you keep saying, in my day things were like this, in my day things were like that, well, have fun reminiscing. 
but you can make this decade your day. It's how in touch you are with the people around you. It's how in touch you are with culture and society and how in touch you are with the pace of things. I know people that are in their 60s that are way more relevant and way more in touch than people in their 30s, okay? I understand that maybe the effort that you need to put in when you're in your 60s is more, but it's not an excuse. And when you make it an excuse, you only hurt yourself. You slow down way younger than you should be slowing down. I mean, I don't think you should ever slow down, but you're slowing down when you don't need to be slowing down. You're allowing things to break down in your body or, you know, your abilities well before they ever need to. And you're resigning yourself to expect less and less and less from yourself because if you say, oh, that's my old age, then that means that you're not going to try more things, physically at least. You're not going to be doing more things for yourself. You're going to keep that mentality of I'm getting older, I'm getting older, I might as well just start slowing down, okay? Stop doing that to yourself. And then, of course, the same thing goes for mental health. If you always say, oh, I've always been an anxious person, that's just who I am, I've always been an anxious person, then you might not think, well, maybe I can do something about this anxiety. Maybe this is not an innate thing, but maybe I've just continued this cycle my whole life and I've not ever thought about the possibility of it being something different. Or, oh, everyone in my family is anxious, as if that's going to change. Well, have you tried? Maybe there are certain tools that you can put into practice to change that, to break that cycle. There's always something that can be done. So it's just got to be a matter of how much effort are you going to put, what are you going to expect from yourself, and what is your minimum standard for yourself, okay? If you can raise the bar for yourself, then that will automatically raise the bar for your relationships and for your career. Now, In summary of everything, the things that I want you to write down or things that I want you to think about at the end of this episode is, where is the bar set too low in my relationships, career, and for myself? Where have I set the bar too low? Identify where it has been. Then say, what is going to be my new bare minimum for what I can put up with, whether it's on a date, from my partner, from myself, in my job, from what I'm feeling, from the experiences I'm having? And then lastly, what is my ideal standard For all of the above, where can I set the bar? What would I want to aim for in these things? What would be the ideal outcome if if it could be if I could have whatever I wanted? What would it be? And then just kind of aim to get as close to that as possible. You don't have to be hitting those things. I mean, ideally, yes. But if you can, if you can identify the ideal, then you can see the gap between where you are and where the ideal is. And then you can always kind of be comfortably working towards that instead of thinking, "Well, I'm never going to expect anything more from my partner." So fuck it. I'll just congratulate them when they put their plate in the dishwasher. You know, there's, there's a standard and there's a standard. So, and you choose what that standard's going to be. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I love you guys so much. Thank you for sharing the episode. I now have a, an Instagram page for the podcast, which is very exciting. Myself and my manager, Maddie, are working on building that up and putting clips and stuff up. So it's called DYFM Podcast. That is the handle. So definitely go check that out. Tag when you're listening to the podcast. Do you know what, I, what some of you guys have done? And it's been amazing. And if you guys can ever be bothered, please do this because I love it so much. But some of you have even done like reels or, or um, uh, TikToks of just certain clips from the podcast that you guys found impactful that you've created into a short clip and then you just listen to it when you need to and then you've posted it up. I love that so much. So thank you. And then I can share it to the rest of the group as well. So appreciate you guys taking the time and doing things like that, tagging me and everything. Love you guys so much. As always, remember, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.